Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This episode will cover Moroni chapter 8. Uh, this chapter is a letter written from Mormon to his son Moroni. And as I mentioned in a previous episode, it kind of seems a little disjointed from and disconnected from Moroni chapter 7 uh, at the surface and when you first begin to read it. But what I really want to point out, and so I'll start with that, and start with the end, really, is where it ends. It ends at the same place that chapter 7 ends, and that is with faith, hope, and charity. So just remember that, and we'll, I'll work my way there. Um, but I did want to just point that out from the very beginning. So the first thing, uh, just interesting, and why it seems maybe a little disjointed, is because it starts with... Um, it really with infant baptism being an abomination like that. How do you go from this Moroni chapter seven, verse 48 and praying for charity to infant baptism is it's kind of an, an interesting thing, but the way that this letter, and it, you have to remember that this is a separate, this letter is separate from the sermon that was given in chapter seven. Uh, he gave this sermon in chapter seven to a congregation of people, presumably. And then this letter was written at a, at some time later to his son Mormon. Excuse me, his son Moroni. Mormon wrote it to his son Moroni, and so it would be not a continuous flow. But what is intriguing is that the lessons that he ends up at and the undertones are this, are very much the same. And it seems to me. That as I read as I read this uh, this time around and studied, that there's a specific, a specific reason why Mormon I keep saying that Moroni would have included this letter right after uh, sharing what his his father had taught about faith, hope, and charity. Is he would say, "Hey, look, I have well, you know what my dad said the same things to me in this other letter, and so I want to share that with you." So he starts with the baptism of little children being prohibited. And the summary of it really is in verse 8, Little children are whole, for they are not capable of committing sin. Wherefore, the curse of Adam is taken from them in me, that it hath no power over them, and the law of circumcision is done away in me. So that is the words of Christ to Mormon. It says, Listen to the words of Christ, your Redeemer, your Lord. Uh, well, and, and really verse 7 Mormon says that he had asked and prayed to know what to do about this people baptizing little children. And here's the words that he got. He got revelation the same way that President Nelson gets revelation, which is the same way we get revelation. By praying about a, about a concern, about a question, and communing with Christ. Communing with God, communing uh, through the Spirit, and he receives this answer. He says that the law of circumcision is done away in me. Then this is interesting too because these people uh, now are living 350 plus years after the coming of Christ. The law of Moses has been done away with. Um, but they were people who lived the law of Moses before Christ came, right? And there was lots of traditions and things that uh, were part of that. Uh, rituals and holidays and festivals Many of those things uh, could have carried over, 
And so this specific mention of the law of circumcision is interesting. Uh, so um, the law of circumcision, God declared to Abraham, and I will establish a covenant of circumcision with thee, and it shall be my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations, that thou mayest know forever that thy children are not accountable before me until they are eight years old. That's from JST, Genesis chapter 17. God further declared to Abraham, a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. That, um, and that, that's what circumcision would, would be, is a token of the covenant. But that was done away with when Christ came. It's inter- this stands out to me because even though it's 350, 350 years after Christ came, like I said, these some of these traditions would still uh, be around. And, and um, in the book of Acts, Peter has to deal, and the, and the the apostles have to deal with a similar type of situation where they're wondering how much of the law do we need to let make people, uh, especially converting Gentiles, do Gentiles who convert to Christianity, do they need to be circumcised? That was a question they had to, they specifically had to answer uh, because it's like, now the law is done away, but this has been a token. What is it? Is it still valid? What do we need to do? Go read Acts chapter 15. And so it's the, the importance of continuing revelation here, right? And Mormon, as the prophet, received this revelation and then writes it to his son Moroni. Uh, the law of circumcision was not intended to last forever. The Savior's words revealed to Mormon, the law of circumcision has done away in me. The Doctrine and Covenants explains why the law of circumcision was ended. And for more information on that, you can see section 74, verses 2 through 7. But the idea here is that that's done away with and that they're not accountable until they're eight. And so don't baptize them. Behold, I say unto you that this thing ye shall teach repentance and baptism unto those who are accountable and capable of committing sin because baptism is unto what? Baptism is unto repentance. And so if they cannot be, if they can't repent, then they have no need uh, to be baptized. Another way of thinking about it, uh, I've talked about in the past, Alma 34, we have to have faith unto repentance and repent. The first fruits of repentance, Moroni is going to teach us in this chapter actually, is baptism. And it's a sign, a token uh, that we are making a covenant to God about our repentance, but it's a token and a sign about our repentance. And if someone is incapable of sinning because they are not accountable then they can't repent. And if they can't repent, then there is no need for them to show that sign or that token um, of their repentance uh, to make that covenant about their repentance. Um, Verses 22 through 24, Mormon teaches us a similar thing about anyone who's who's not given the law. They're not accountable. They can't sin. Without without being accountable, you cannot sin. Um, and so President Joseph Fielding Smith said, They are redeemed without baptism and will go to the celestial kingdom of God. There, we believe, to have their faculties or other deficiencies restored according to the Father's mercy and justice. As we continue, you get to verses 25 and 26, and we get, we're going to see some old friends here. First, I'm going to read verse 24. It says, Behold, my son, this thing ought not to be, for repentance is unto them that are under condemnation and under the curse of a broken law. So, baptism is the sign of the repentant, of repentance. And you can only repent if you are under condemnation. You have to be accountable. And then he says, And the first fruits of repentance is baptism. So, it, that's the covenant. That's what naturally springs forth out of it. 
And baptism cometh by faith unto the fulfilling of the commandments, and the fulfilling of the commandments bringeth remission of sins. And the remission of sins bringeth meekness and lowliness of heart. Hey, there's our old friends, meekness and lowliness of heart. What does meekness and lowliness of heart have to do with anything? Well, back in chapter 7, verse 43, I say unto you that he cannot have faith and hope, save he shall be meek and lowly of heart. But how can you... This says that remission of sins brings meekness. But how can you have a remission of sins if you haven't repented? And if faith is unto repentance, how can you repent if you haven't had faith? And Moroni told us that you can't have, or Mormon told us we can't have faith unless we have, and hope unless we have, we are meek and lowly of heart. Well, here's the, here's the big secret. It's all a big circle. It's um, self-perpetuating. As we have, as we are meek and lowly of heart, broken heart and a contrite spirit, humble and grateful, that breeds faith and hope. That hope and faith leads to repentance. That repentance leads to making a covenant at baptism and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost leads to a remission of sins. And the remission of sins bringeth meekness and lowliness of heart. And what does that bring? More faith and hope. What else does faith and hope bring? More, it brings charity and it brings more repentance and it brings renewal and uh, additional covenant making and keeping. Because of the meekness and the lowliness of heart cometh the visitation of the Holy Ghost, which comforter filleth with hope and perfect love, which love endureth by diligence unto prayer unto the end, until the end shall come when all the saints shall dwell with God. Well, dwell with God it's echoes of verse 48 in chapter 7. See see what I mean? That this It kind of starts off in this weird direction of infant baptism, but then he goes and says, this is why they're not supposed to be baptized. They're not supposed to be baptized because they can't repent. And they, if they can't repent, they don't need to be baptized. But everyone else, teach them to their parents that they need to repent. They need to have faith and repentance and baptism. And that's going to help them have more faith and more meekness and more lowliness of heart and more remission of sins, which brings what? The Holy Ghost, which brings what? Gifts of the Spirit, one of which is perfect love, which love endureth until we all, all the saints shall dwell with God. And as verse 48 says, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Because why? Because we've been purified even as he is pure. And it's this self perpetuating process that as we put in a little bit of effort, we get into this cycle. And it's uh, a cycle that takes effort, yes, on our part. But as we put in the tiny, tiniest bit of effort, we are rewarded uh, exponentially because it, it because of the way that it, it's built, because it is built to build upon itself. And then Mormon ends by encouraging his son to have charity Here's the Lamanites and the Nephites. What should you do? Pray for them, my son, that repentance may come unto them. And that's and that's kind of his last message to his son in this letter. But he does. Um, he is afraid that the spirits cease striving with them. And Elder McConkie said, "Many choose to walk in carnal paths and go contrary to the enticings of the spirit. It is possible to sear one's conscience to the point that the spirit will will withdraw its influence and." Uh, men will no longer know or care about anything that is decent and edifying. For my spirit shall not always strive with man, saith the Lord of hosts. But even still, Mormon encourages, encouraged his son Moroni to pray for them and to have charity. 
And so we see that chapter 8, although starting off in a weird place, ends at the same place that Moroni chapter 7 ends. And it's Moroni emphasizing to us in our day. Remember, go back to chapter 1 of Moroni. He wanted to share some things that would help us in our day. What did he share? Priesthood ordinances. And now he's talking about faith, hope, and charity in chapter 7. What does he end up talking about in uh, chapter 8? Well, he talks about faith, hope, and charity and how the gospel of faith and repentance and baptism are related to faith, hope, and charity. And so that's the, and again, that's the message he wanted to share that he knew would endure because he saw our day and he said, hey, this this will help you. Focus on this. There's going to be people who despitefully use you. There's going to be people who hate you. Love them. Have charity for them. Just like my dad taught me, just like I saw him live, I'm, I'm, I'm going to encourage you all to live. Uh, that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you join me in the last episode of, for the week uh, that will cover Moroni chapter 9.